0: Lovely. Vote. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, starting to think about why there are so many denominations, I'm going to ask Michael to put up the first um, of the, the pictures that I have. It, you would think, right, that for so many people who profess to believe in Jesus or to be followers of Jesus, you would you would think that we wouldn't need to have so many different groups, right? But sorry, the, sorry to interrupt. Which one is the first one? Um, one of the uh, fam- the family trees, either one of the family trees, okay. denomination family trees, not the not the Luther Lutheran one. Actually, you can put any put anything up. Right. Any of them will do. <laughs> We're going to go that this way. I just want to show you that there are just so many groups because what happened here we go there you go um you can see that you have the early christian church and then you have the roman catholic church of course which which split anyhow the the protestant reformation was not the first split in the church you had the split between the roman catholic and the eastern orthodox church before the protestant reformation and then you see uh you know after that it sort of opened the the, Pro, the protestant reformation kind of opened the floodgates for all of these different different groups because once once you went away from the the idea that the church was your authority and the pope got to say uh this is what you believe and this is what you do then everybody has an idea of what of what that should be and if they didn't agree with what the previous person did well they can go and start their their own thing and they just and are, they're still being formed <laughs> to this day so um if you want to put the other one up Michael I picked two of them because they they tell different stories you, you, they don't always agree it's funny when you look back at the history of uh denominations of church groups you, you might find some different spins on it depending on which group you um you look at and I'll show you the Lutheran. there you go there's the family tree and you see that out of the the original methodist church then you get a whole list of of groups that that come from there and under the baptists you see that you get a whole bunch of groups and there's even some dispute about where some of these even belong i'll get to that in a second but anyhow there there's that now if you if michael you could put up the lutheran one so even if we, if I talk to you about being Lutheran, I can only speak about being an ELCA Lutheran, because there are other Lutheran groups. We're the biggest. ELCA is the largest, but there are certainly others. Missouri Synod. There you go. Look at them all, and and so you had all of these mergers going on down through history. So for instance, Lutheran Church of the Good Shepherd um, would come under. Uh, eventually become the American Lutheran Church, which you'll see down maybe like uh, two-thirds of the way down on the right, and eventually then gets merged into the ELCA, while the denomination I came out of, the Lutheran Church in America, is up up further, and and so we came out of different migrations, different immigration patterns, different doctrinal differences, and all that, Um, but eventually all of these Um, Danish Lutheran Church and Buffalo Synod and Swedish Lutheran Church and and all all these things all come down mostly to um, the ELCA. Although you'll see that after the merger into this ELCA, there were some groups who didn't like some of the things that the ELCA was doing and they've broken off and started their own um, denomination. So it continues to this day. And so that's one of the the results. And I'll tell you this question of how come and what's the difference is one that often comes up in interfaith circles. People from other religions look uh, look at Christians and go, what is going on? What's the difference? You say you're Lutheran, what does that even mean? And how come that's different from Methodist? And, you know, it's complicated. So Lutherans, you probably know mostly about about where Lutheran Church came from 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 Martin Luther's break with the Catholic Church and although a lot of the theology of of Martin Luther was not a lot different from from the Catholic Church his his gripe was more over the authority of the of the Pope and and his whole idea of scripture alone that our authority is the scripture alone and that our way of living is salvation by grace through faith. Those are the things that that Lutheranism really um, is is about um, at at its heart. Now, a lot of the difference between these denominations comes in their polity, how we're organized. So we are organized, we have bishops, we have a presiding bishop in our national church, we're organized into synods, so we have that. Um, but those bishops don't have the same authority that they would in the, in the Catholic church. They are, they are our guides and they are um, co-workers in the field, but they don't have the authority to, to say, this is what you have to believe, or this is what you have to do. Um, another uh, difference is how different groups um, do with communion. Do they have sacraments? Some do, some don't. Some have, have a few, some have more. And, and they have different beliefs about that. So in Lutheranism, we have two sacraments, Holy Communion and Baptism. We baptize infants as well as adults. And we believe that in communion, there is the real presence of Christ. And, and Luther described that as in, with, and under the elements of bread and wine. Now, if you want to get into the picky transubstantiation, consubstantiation of the differences between the Catholic doctrine and Lutheran doctrine, we can do that at another time. <laughs> but just know that for Lutherans, real presence. And um, I like to think about different denominations as well as different religious traditions. Each has a, a particular gift that it brings to the, to the whole picture of, of being, um, well, for Christianity, all the different denominations. And for Lutherans, I would say that one of our greatest gifts to the whole is our emphasis on salvation by grace, free grace, free gift of God through faith alone. Not that other groups don't have this <laughs> too, but Lutherans really like to talk about salvation by grace through faith alone, That's our and that's our thing. So um, I'm going to try to do this really quickly. You might have questions about it, but I'm, I'm going to go through pretty quickly. There are couple strains you have the the german and the swiss group doing their thing and then you had the english doing their thing so lutheran germany and then in switzerland you had the beginnings of the reformed and the presbyterian churches and then that also went into scotland um so you might have heard of ulrich zwingli and john calvin and john knox these are all the the heroes of the Reformed and the Presbyterian church. And the big thing about Presbyterians that, that they are known for is good order. They do things in good order, which um, sometimes might seem like, wow, that's, you know, that's a little bit too much order, but there are times when they really have the gift of being able to put everything in the right framework. Now their um, way of looking at communion is a little bit different they think of the presence of Christ as being a spiritual matter than, rather than a physical. And they call it uh, the mystical real presence or the spiritual real presence. What's the difference between that and real presence of Lutherans? They used to fight about this ba- back in those days. We don't fight so much about that anymore because we all, we all kind of understand that we don't know. <laughs> we don't understand how it works, but, but we know we believe in that. Um, In terms of the ordination of women, for instance, it depends on the group. Uh, In the Lutheran Church, the ELCA, yes. In Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and Wisconsin Synod, nope. Um, In terms of LGBT um, inclusion, so for instance, the ordination of LGBT folks, same thing. Um, ELCA, yes. Missouri Synod, nope. (laughs) So it depends on the church. So if you think you want to go and visit a particular denomination and find out what they're all about, it'd be a good idea to figure, understand which (laughs) which kind you're going to, because it could be very um, different. Even though we claim to believe believe the same things, um, it also comes down oftentimes within these denominations, the difference between how we read scripture. Do we read it as literal and inerrant, or do we read it as inspired? divinely inspired and yet needed needing to be interpreted. Missouri Synod and some of the other conservative would, would go more toward the inerrant side while as the more um, liberal side would go toward the uh, toward the other way. So um, the Reformed and Presbyterians are, are known also for being a little more austere. They don't have as many um, stained glass windows and art and things like that in there in their churches, I remember going to a uh, reformed church in Germany and, and we were learning about how, you know a lot of the Lutheran churches there of course used to be Catholic. And so they still look very Catholic but there was one that we went to which um, had then become reformed. And you could see on their walls, on their white walls where there had been paintings, murals of saints and they had just whitewashed over them. And the windows were clear clear glass. So they so, sort of led the Protestant Reformation into a more austere kind of kind of thing. Um, let's see uh, ordination of women. Some Presbyterian groups, yes. Others, no. Um, the the main body of, of Presbyterians, yes, they do. And also um, they approved an, um, an amendment that allows the ordination of openly LGBT clergy at the discretion of their individual presbyteries and sessions. So each congregation can decide whether to do that or not. So that's very different from, from uh, Lutherans. Now, another group that comes out of this German Swiss um, era are the Anabaptists. And you you might know them as the Mennonites and the Amish. And, and they came out of, of Switzerland and they kind of took the reformation to another level. They felt Luther didn't go far enough. So they were taking it even further. And what what they wanted is they wanted even more reform within the church. And so um, Menno uh, Menno Simons began the group uh, that became known as Mennonites. And then Another one of them, uh, there was a split in that and a group of Mennonites became known as, as the Amish and, and there are other groups as well. But um, like other Protestants, the Anabaptists accepted only two sacraments, communion and baptism. Their um, understanding of communion is symbolic and um, they also, in connection with communion, many of them stress the right of foot washing. It's very important them. And then they do not do infant baptism. They contend that baptism should follow the commitment that one makes to follow Jesus, and thus they reject infant baptism. Um, The ordination of women, most of them, yes, they do. But LGBTQ ordination, it's not explicitly accepted or banned but in several regions of the country, there are statements that a candidate has to sign stating that they are not a practicing homosexual prior to ordination, which is what the Lutheran church used to do, but not not anymore. So that's sort of the German Swiss branch of everything. Then you go over to England and you have the Anglican communion, right? The Anglican churches, and you probably know that that all started with Henry VIII Uh, wanting a divorce from his his wife, Catherine of Aragon, the Pope would not allow it. So Henry declared that he was now the uh, supreme head of the church of England, the new church of England. And so that remains to this day that the the king or the queen is the head of the church of England. Um, And the Anglican communion is all over the the world. Uh, Women can be ordained, priests can marry. There are two sacraments, baptism and communion, but confirmation, uh, when you have confirmation um, Sunday, must be done by a bishop. That's different from how we do it. Um, Real presence, believe in the real presence, but how that happens is a mystery. The Episcopal Church does um, recognize the other Catholic sacraments, like confirmation and confession, anointing the sick, marriage and ordination. They're honored, but they're not universally accepted as divinely instituted. So um, Catholics who who want to find a, a church that they feel comfortable in are usually pretty comfortable in an Episcopal church. They can find a place there and in some Lutheran churches as well. So um, they're probably our closest in being, being how, how we are alike. Although in the Episcopal church, the authority of the bishops they are organized around the authority um, of the bishops and in the Lutheran church um, while we have bishops the authority really comes from the congregation so that's a big difference uh, and these are important these have been important things when we have um, we have tried to do connections with other denominations we have our Lutheran Episcopal agreement where There are pastors who are serving both congregations at the same time, or I could could be a pastor in an Episcopal church or an Episcopal priest could be a pastor in a Lutheran church. We have that ability to exchange, but we have to understand that there are some differences there. One of the things that, um, well, they do ordain women. They do um, ordain and a full inclusion of LGBTQ people, but not in the Episcopal church, yes, in this country, but not all of the churches in the Anglican communion around the world. And that's often where the problems, the the challenges come in. That's true with the Methodist church as well, because they're a global denomination. And the the gift of the, the Anglican church, they talk about their authority their authority. So for Luther, it was word alone, scripture alone. For Anglicans, it's a three-legged stool, they call it. Their sources of authority are scripture, tradition, and reason, all together. Okay, so that's a difference between between the two. Then in the Church of England, back in, back in the day, um, they started breaking off from the Church of England, and there were separatists. These were the people escaping from religious um, persecution in England. And they believed that the Church of England was in need of purification in their worship and in their governance. And these became the Puritans. They wanted to purify the Church of England. And um, they wanted congregational authority. Each individual congregation governed its own affairs. And then in 1800, even that group split over the question of what the Trinity meant and a group became Unitarians. And then the Unitarians merged with the Universalists who were mostly German um, in 1961. So you have some crossover between the German and the English groups now. And in 1957, the same thing happened when the United Church of Christ was formed, which was a merger between the congregational churches um, and the evangelical and reformed churches um and and the thing about the united church of christ or ucc they're predominantly liberal in their congregations not totally but they their thing is that unity and fellowship do not depend on perfect perfect doctrinal agreement but on the choice to maintain unity they ordain women ordain lgbt folks and their gift is this commitment to to unity huh okay Quickly, <laughs> Methodist. The Methodist. You might know the names John and Charles Wesley. They wrote a lot of hymns. Um, uh, let's see, "Hark the Herald Angels Sing," "Love Divine All Loves Excelling." Char- You'll see their names all over the place for hymnody. They're the ones who began um, Methodism as a rebellion against the Church of England, as an evangelical re- revival. They wanted to bring the good news to the masses, to people, no matter what their their status. In life, and they they become itinerant preachers. They they organize the churches in circuits, and and preachers would travel from one church to another. And to this day, um, Methodist pastors are not called by a congregation; they're sent out, and usually for for maybe a year or a, a few years, and then moved around. They believe that it's important to um, to keep that that going which i think is probably a difficult thing in these days but that's that's part of methodism and the name came from um wesley john wesley when he first started his bible studies and and spiritual groups he always he had a very strict uh method that he would do his his way of 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 organizing things that people actually made fun of him and called him names and so methodist became a uh a little bit of a slur but it stuck and that's um and that's how that began. He also taught, if, you're, if you know any Methodists, you might hear them talk about um, sanctification or holiness as a second work of grace. That, that the idea that even after you're, you're saved by grace, but you're still um, working in this um, sanctification that the, the spirit is still working in you and and stripping away all your guilt of original sin and you're you're moving further into into that kind of thing so that's that's methodism um they believe they have this this um they call it the quadrilateral the methodists believe like the the episcopalians have the three-legged stool the methodists have the quadrilateral fourfold approach to faith scripture tradition reason, and experience. So so. there's that. Um, ordination of women, yes. Um, LGB, LGB ordination, no. But transgender ministers have served in Methodist churches. There's no policy excluding them. So that's kind of interesting. And then, you, of course, you know the Salvation Army. They are a break-off from the Methodist church. An independent... Methodist minister William Booth founded the Salvation Army in 1865. Um, and then Baptists. Now Baptists are funny because there's three different stories about how the Baptist church began. One, it, one says that they're an unbroken succession f- back from the days of John the Bapti- Baptizer, right, all the way back. They, they're before everybody else. Um, and then there are others who say they come out of the Anabaptist movement in the 16th century in Europe, but most of them contend that they were part of the separatist movement from the Church of England because they said Church of England was a false church and they wanted a complete break with them. And um, they've got two sacraments, although they're known as ordinances, baptism and communion, but it's adult baptism only and by immersion only. And communion is known as memorialism bread and wine are only symbols of Christ's body and blood and a a very strong emphasis on evangelism. Um, Each congregation is totally independent of each other, but they may be associated into organizations such as the American Baptist USA, who are the more liberal group. And then, of course, you have the Southern Baptist Convention that you hear about a lot in the news. They are the very conservative group. Um, who believe in the inerrancy of the Bible, for instance. Um, The American Baptist Church has the ordination of women and um, of course, uh, uh, Southern Baptist, of course not and LGBT, the same kind of thing. So um, Quakers, Society of Friends founded by George Fox that came out of Church of England as well um, because they wanted to, to reform the Church of England and the, the name Quaker came from um, uh, the trial. George Fox was charged with blasphemy and he had to go to trial and he asked the judge to tremble at the word of, of the Lord. And the judge's reply was to call Fox and his followers Quakers and the name, the name stuck. But officially they're known as the, the religious society of friends. Um, they don't have any ordained clergy and no sacraments, no creeds access to god is available immediately to each individual and you probably know quaker meetings are are silence until one person moved by the holy spirit might speak so very very different from uh from what we're used to but the gifts that they bring are their emphasis on pacifism uh many quakers are social activists they were very big in the abolition movement back in those days um so then finally the, the last group i'll talk about are just Denominations that started here in this country. For instance, Pentecostalism. Now, some say it, you know, there were strains of it back in, in Europe and England, but it was in this country in Los Angeles that it really took off when at um, the Azusa Street Mission in LA, a revival broke out and a lot of people in, the, in that group started speaking in tongues. And they, from there on, they had all these dramatic worship services, miracles, healing, speaking in tongues, and um, it's very vibrant, very energetic uh, style of worship. You probably have, have seen that. Oftentimes, it's, it's criticized and mocked. A lot of the televangelists are, are Pentecostalism, um, but, it's a, but it's one of the fastest growing denominations in, in the world, many Latin American countries uh, are heavily Pentecostal. They've historically condemned homosexuality, however, and the ordination of women, some of them do, some of them don't. So you have to check before you go. And then the others I'm not going to get into, but just to to say the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, not everybody considers them Christians, but they consider themselves to be Christians. Uh, The Seventh-day Adventists, Jehovah's Witnesses and the Church of Christ scientists are all uniquely American denominations, but you know offshoots of, of these main, main groups. So I'm going to stop there because that's like, again, way too much information and see if anybody has any questions or whatever, complaints, comments. <laughs> this is your chance. Did it make any sense at all? Or you just still even more confused, going what? That is a, a ton of information. I know. It's, I'm I'm actually reading a book now that my my great 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 grandfather wrote. Um, about the Anabaptists, and they were about their time in, I think it was Moravia, Moravia, or something, so I'm just reading about the origins there, so and it, so it relates to that, so this is going to add some color to what I'm well, reading. I, which, know, yeah. I know, I had a section in about Moravians, and I thought, I can't do them all, so I took the Moravians out, so I'm glad, but I saw them on the chart, yeah, yeah, but you, <laughs> but we know them, right, the Bethlehem Star, that we often think about at Christmas time, that's from the Moravians. So um, these, you know, we know a lot of uh, bits and pieces about these these groups, but we don't always know that we know. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Um, so anyway, thank you. This yes, this helped.
0: I Pastor see, Susan. Yeah. Um, the trend in all of these breakoffs and separations, is that continuing or is it slowing down? I think it continues um the methodist church right now is going through a big upheaval over the mm-hmm. issue of lgbt uh participation and ordination they're probably going to split in at least two um lutheran church of course we we merged in 1980 what was it 88 86 whatever it was 86 i think uh or 80 i don't know 80 something and, and we thought, oh, finally we've brought together all these diverse Lutheran groups into one body. Isn't this great? And then pff, there, now we have like three new ones, three new groups split off just within the past, what, couple, 20 years. So yeah, I think it probably, it, so like the Catholic church, the Catholic church seems to be able to hold people of very diverse um, backgrounds and, and although they pretty much have the same mm, belief system, but are able to hold a whole bunch of people in in one basket. With Protestants, it's like, if I disagree with how things are going, I'm just going to split off and join my own and then form my own church. (laughs) That's kind of how we do things rather than what the UCC is trying to do is saying, let's bring together these two different groups and let's try to uh, lift up unity instead of our instead of our differences but we're not real good at that, good at that so yeah i think it still goes on i have a question here about what speaking in tongues and and speaking in tongues is from the bible from the acts um the pentecost story when the disciples began speaking in tongue or they began speaking in other languages that other people could understand them but the speaking in tongues comes in the list of spiritual gifts that paul talks about the speaking in tongues and the interpretation of tongues. It's also called glossolalia. And if you've ever heard anyone speaking in tongues, it's a prayer language. It's not like English or any other language that you would know. It's a prayer language that people who who believe that they are filled with the Holy Spirit and have been given this gift of tongues will begin praying in this strange language that might sound like Babel to you, but to them, it is a, a, a prayer language and for some churches for some Pentecostal churches they do believe that you have to have the gift of speaking in tongues that's a mark of being uh filled with the Holy Spirit so uh but others and within the Lutheran church Catholic Lutheran Episcopalian had this strong charismatic movement that started I think back in the 70s maybe of groups even within mainline Protestantism and then the Catholic church believing in this this kind of thing and doing the speaking in tongues does that answer the question is prayer language um i've heard it i've heard it it's it's kind of jarring when you don't know what it or not expecting it but um it's sort of the same thing as some church services like pentecostal churches you'll see people just get up and start dancing and be in the middle of the aisle and it's not because like oh they like the beat and this would be fun it's that they feel moved by the spirit to get up and praise God and dance and fall down and just speak in tongues and all, all of this kind of stuff. Very different from our way of, of doing things, but it's actually kind of good to experience sometimes. That Sometimes they call it being slain in the spirit, that you're just taken over by the spirit and you just fall down. Um, anyway. I um, um I. I have found um, in moments of boredom to uh, latch onto the Trinity Broadcast Network, which uh-huh. is based in Costa Mesa, California. Uh, you can actually see it on the free off of the freeway. It's this huge wall with nothing but light coming up from it. But you see a lot of that. It's 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 your favorite. It's it's the uh, prosperity gospel. Oh yeah. Um, and so it's it, it is amazing to watch though, like how charismatic all of that is, mm-hmm. it, it just mm-hmm. uh, and how one can be drawn into it, but then. What are you really being drawn into? It's very interesting. Well, the gift of the, of the Pentecostals is their emphasis on the Holy Spirit. And frankly, the mainline um, until pretty recently, pretty much ignored the Holy Spirit. We had God, the creator, God, the father, God, the son, but the Holy Spirit, we didn't really, really get, but we're trying to reclaim that <laughs> as the third person of the Trinity and Pentecostals are really good, really good at that. So anybody, if anybody has any further questions, I'm happy to direct you to information. Uh, Craig, did you have a question? Yeah, um, when I was a youngster, a neighbor took me to um, a Missouri Synod, Lutheran Vacation Bible School. It seemed uh-huh. very conservative, very fundamentalist, very mm-hmm. much unlike the ELCA. Yeah. Did you go over what the differences are with those and if they're still existing? Oh, they exist for sure. Um, Missouri and uh, Wisconsin synods still exist. And yes, they are much more conservative. They do not ordain women. They don't recognize my ordination. They are uh, believers in the in- inerrancy of scripture. They do not hold with um, historical criticism or any of the scholarship that, that we do. It's like you take it as, as it is. So yeah, much more much more conservative than, than we are communion I we would not even be able to take communion in a Missouri Lutheran church because we're not we're not the real Lutherans. <laughs> we're not the real Lutherans. They're the real Lutherans. So how, and, how big are they how big are they in relation to the ELCA? Not as big. The ELCA is the largest and I don't know numbers but ELCA, yeah. but Missouri would be the next group but much smaller. But and they're not just in Missouri. They're all, they're, they're here. We have them in, in our oh, area. They're all, you know. No, that um, was California, Los Angeles. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, um, yep, yeah, that's, that's that. Okay. I'm going to stop because we're, we're, you know, we could like spend hours and days on all of this and yeah, it is a lot of information. So if you want to know more, ask me, <laughs> ask the pastor. So I'm going to, I'm going to suggest that we now take a time, um, for prayer And I'm not going to use the prayers from the the bulletin. I'm just going to open it up to anything that anybody wants to offer a prayer for. Anything that you've got in your heart today. And you can just unmute and and say it. And if you talk over each other, that's okay, too. It'll be like speaking in tongues, kind of. So let's just open up to to our our prayers today. I'd like to